Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Church, my name is Andrew. I'm lead pastor. We're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. If you fill out that short form online for us, as a way of saying thanks, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed. We're jumping into a new teaching series today called Forgotten Voices. Now, I want to kind of warn you up front, okay? This is going to be one of the most challenging teaching series we'll do this year. And today's message may not be so in your face and tough, but I promise this series will stress you. So whether you've been following Christ for years, you're just starting out, or you're interested in learning more about God, this series will stretch you. It'll make you uncomfortable at times, but it will absolutely grow you. And the big reason for this is because the content we're going to be looking at, um, well, they're a group of writings from guys who are collectively known as the minor prophets. They're not minor because they had nothing of value or importance to say. It's actually far from the truth. They're called that for, for really two reasons. One, their books are relatively short in length, okay? And these are some of the shortest books in the Bible that you'll read. And then two, they're often overshadowed by other prophets who were considered, you know, more prominent or they had bigger platforms, right? Guys like, like Jeremiah. So if like, for example, Micah will prophesy around the same time Jeremiah is, but, but Jeremiah has the bigger book and more prominence, right? Um, there are some guys like Zechariah who ministered during an important time period where Jewish exiles were returning to Israel and Jerusalem. It had been about 70 years since their homeland was destroyed. And with the exception of Queen Esther's story, that whole period is largely forgotten and overlooked. In fact, overlooked is probably a good way to describe the minor prophets. They were overlooked by their own peers, and centuries later, they're still largely overlooked by many Christians. So think for a moment, all right? How many of you have read Haggai, or Zephaniah, or even Habakkuk, right? Um, yeah, these forgotten voices, they had a powerful message from the Lord for their Jewish people of their day. And throughout this series, we're going to look at these minor prophets and their messages. And I'm really convinced that, that what they had to say to the people so many years ago, what's going to have some strong takeaways for our lives here today as well. And so we're going to start off by taking a bird's eye look into the story of a minor prophet named Hosea. Now, he's got a wild story, all right? If you've never heard Hosea's story before, it, it, it's, it kind of, it's kind of like this. It, it weaves like a love story, but it's got a big plot twist in it. Um, and in a very real way, it's a reflection of, of our own story with God. It's powerful. It's a picture of, of the depth of God's love that he has for us. So I want to take you to Hosea chapter 1 here today, okay? Hosea chapter 1, verse 1, the Lord gave this message to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the years when Uzziah, Yotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah, and Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, was king of Israel. And when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute, so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. And so Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. 
I think it's important to understand what's happened between God and Israel before we really get further into the story, okay? This is going to be important for the entire series, really. At this point in Israel's history, the Jewish people have split into two kingdoms, Israel to the north and Judah to the south. And, and Judah is still faithfully serving the Lord, but Israel has completely abandoned God. They've forgotten it was God who, who rescued them from slavery in Egypt. You know, they'd forgotten it was God who loved them first and chose them from all the other nations of the world to bless. And so over and over throughout the scripture, you know, God refers to Israel as his chosen people. And, and we're going to see more of this when we get to Amos, but as the kingdom of Israel found wealth and power, they began to have kind of wandering eyes, okay? So it's interesting, like, how the more I think we, we, we have, the more successful we become, the less we seem to really need God. In fact, what can happen oftentimes, we become more open to very different and very wrong ideas of God and how to get to Him. And Israel's wandering eyes, they began to look for gods like Asherah and Baal and Shemosh. Now, those names might mean very little to us today, okay? But I want you to get a feel for how evil the worship of a deity like Chemosh was, okay? So I want you to understand what God was observing as his people began abandoning him and following after these crazy cults. God would watch as Israel built bronze idols in Shemosh's image, and the image had outstretched arms, and below, uh, and with the arms were outstretched hands, and a great fire below the hands was built and heated so that the bronze actually turned red. And it's at that point that children would be set in those hands as an offering to Chemosh. And as their own kids were screaming in pain and burning alive, drums would beat to a deafening level so the parents and other folks who were gathered would not hear the scream of their dying children. This is the evil happening in Hosea's nation during a period of great wealth and power. And so as far as God's concerned, Israel had completely abandoned him. And he had enough. He needed to send his people a message to get their attention. And so he tells Hosea, he goes, hey, I want you to marry a prostitute. You're going to live out the message that I have for Israel, which is not quite the thing you would expect a man of God to do, right? I mean, like, no one would take you seriously today if you had a prostitute for a wife. Like, social media would be full of posts blasting the fraud man of God like Hosea for doing something like that. He's given this ridiculous and embarrassing and risky assignment by God, and he marries Gomer. And they have three kids, and things went well for a little bit, I'm sure. But after that third child was born, that's where things began to change. And so at some point, whether it was during the night, while Hosea was out, we don't know, Gomer left. So now we have this prophet, this man of God, who's left all alone as a single dad with three kids. And, and he didn't chase her away. He didn't abuse her. He didn't do anything to cause her to leave. This is all entirely on Gomer here. And I'm plenty, I'm, I'm, I'm plenty sure that people, you know, told Hosea and said, hey, you know what, we, we warned you this would happen, right? Like, like, what did you expect? She's a prostitute. She's not worth loving. She abandoned you. Let her go. Find somebody else. But check out what God says to him in Hosea chapter 3. Then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again. Like, she left you, you know? Even though she commits adultery with another lover, this will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So there's heartbreak really here in God's words. You pick up on that? 
And just like Gomer left entirely on her own to chase after her own gratification, Israel had left God. And they had chased wealth and power and other idols. They'd been unfaithful. But despite Israel's wandering eyes, despite their unfaithfulness, God tells Hosea to love Gomer again, even though she's been crazy unfaithful in their marriage. I mean, that's, that's wild, right? I mean, what is God even saying here? Well, he's saying to Israel, and he's saying to you today and to me today, I will never stop pursuing you. I'll never stop. You may be unfaithful, you may wander, but I'm never going to stop pursuing you. And some of you today, no matter where you're at, you need to hear that. You need to know that God will never stop pursuing you. You may not be sure about this idea of God's love today. Sounds too good to be true, right? Maybe you think you don't measure up. Maybe you've been unfaithful, you've wandered from God more times you can count. It doesn't matter, by the way, how far you've wandered. God will never stop pursuing you. He'll come after you. He'll search for you. He left the 99 in pursuit of the one. You know, God wants Israel to know that he isn't giving up on them. And I can tell you today, he's not giving up on you either because he never stops. So Hosea goes to the red light district. Imagine what that had to have been like. You know, he's walking in on other prostitution rings. He's asking people where his prostitute wife is at. And while, you know, he's searching, he eventually finds her. Now, check this out. Most scholars believe that Hosea actually walked in on an auction. Gomer is not just a prostitute. She's a, she's a sex slave, and she's being sold. If you look at verse number two, you see Hosea has to buy his own wife back. Look at verse number two. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver, five bushels of barley, and a measure of wine. He may have had to actually outbid other people to get her back. And the crazy thing is, she was already his. She was married. But he pays for her anyway, and he pays a really steep price. We just saw this. 15 pieces of silver, five bushels of barley, and, and, and some wine. So why are we told what the price was? Well, I, I think numbers have a significant um, symbolism in Scripture to a certain extent, okay? I think you can get a little bit crazy and go too far with this kind of stuff, so you got to be careful. But there is something worth digging a little bit deeper on here as far as the numbers mention are concerned. So 15 is a significant number because it represents deliverance, and 5 is the number of grace. Silver represents divine redemption. Barley represents humanity. And so what you have right here in the story of Hosea is really the heart and soul of the gospel. Hosea says, you know, I'll, I'll pay the price. And I already know about you, but I look at this story and I kind of want to scream, hey, Hosea, like she's yours. She's your wife, dude. What are you doing? I was just crazy. Why would you have to buy back your own wife who's already his? Why would you have to do it? But Hosea was willing to pay for what was already his. Now watch this. Psalm 24.1 tells us this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all of its people belong to him. Yet, what, what does God do? He sends His Son for us to spill His blood for us, to die for us, to buy us back, to purchase what was already His. So for you and me today, for the human race, we're already the possession of our Creator. We already belong to Him, and yet God has paid a price for you and for me. He bought us back after we wandered away in our own sin. It's a great illustration of the message of Christ right here. Hosea pays for his wife. And I like how the message translates, you know, verse number three, kind of paraphrases Hosea 3.3. 3. It says, I did it. I, I paid good money to get her back, and it cost me the price of a slave. 
And then I told her, from now on, you're living with me. No more whoring, no more sleeping around. You're living with me, and I am living with you. Can I tell you that that's not what I would have said, all right? Like, I would not have been as loving or forgiving, I'm sure. Most of you probably wouldn't have either. Uh, I would have had some stronger things to say. But Hosea, he's got a heart of gold here. And, and in that moment where he's speaking to Gomer, you know what happens too? Is that God's spirit hits Hosea and he starts to prophesy about Israel. Remember, his marriage is a reflection of God's relationship with his people. So listen to what he says next, verses 4 and 5. He says this, this shows that Israel will go a long time without a king or prince and without sacrifices and sacred pillars and priests or even idols. But afterward, the people will return and devote themselves to the Lord their God and to David's descendants, their own king. And in the last days, they'll tremble in the awe of the Lord and his goodness. Hosea wasn't talking about his day. He wasn't talking about tomorrow or the next month. He was talking about a new day when a new era and a new kingdom would be birthed. And a king, a descendant of David, would come and the people would be in awe of his goodness. You know who Hosea's talking about right here? He's talking about Jesus, man. He's talking about the coming of Christ. The name Hosea means salvation. Gomer means completion. When God is showing his people here in the story is that not only will he go to great lengths to buy them back, but he was painting a picture of a day when a man, Jesus, God himself in the flesh, would walk the red light districts of sin and darkness and buy back you and me, not with silver or barley or wine, but with his broken body and blood. He paid the ultimate and steepest price for us to buy us back and to complete us. We belong to him. I think outside the story of Christ, there's no other story that just so perfectly illustrates the power and love that God has for us in the story of Hosea. In fact, Jesus even quoted from Hosea. Did you know that? He's sitting around with people that are religious, and they're calling, you know, the scum, or better yet, those who are far from God, the sinners, you know, they're calling them out. And that's kind of the thing about Jesus. He, he often likes to hang out with prostitutes and the outcasts and the poor and people who are different. And these religious guys, they want to know, why is it that you're hanging out with these people that are so sinful and far from God? And so Jesus tells them in Matthew 9, 13, he goes, hey, go learn what this means. And he quotes directly from Hosea. He says, I want to show you mercy and not sacrifices. That's Hosea 6, 6. And he proceeds to tell these religious individuals how he's come for those who know they're lost and that they're, they're desperate. He's saying to this group of arrogant people who know the story of Hosea by memory, by the way, he's saying, I'm your Hosea, man. Like, I'm your salvation. I will go and I will search and look for the lost and the desperate and I will pay whatever it costs for them because I love them, because I want them to experience a truly free life. Listen, Hosea, he, he knew what he was doing when he obeyed God. He knew his marriage to Gomer would just get messy. He knew it would look crazy to other people. He knew it would be challenging. I want you to know that loving a gomer, man, it's not neat, and it's not tidy, and it's not clean. It's crazy. It's messy. It's challenging. And when you realize that, you know, your gomer in this story, despite your inadequacies and your sin, Christ has paid the ultimate price for you. He's bought you back. He's your Hosea. I mean, it, it should move you, right? Like, you were lost, and now you're found. You were blind, and now you see. You had no hope, but your Hosea, Jesus, bought you back, and now you're full of life and freedom. And that's because God's love transforms you. Check this out. 
You can't help when this happens, but we want others to experience what you've experienced as well. You want to find more gummers. You want more folks to be set free. You know, and, and you know, the more gummers are set free, the more gummers are brought back by Christ. You know, they're Hosea. The messier and crazier it's going to get. But that's how the love of God works. His love dips into the red light districts of sin and brings about transformation in our lives. And it doesn't always happen overnight. It's a process. And the more we get into the process of becoming like Christ, and the more our lives get wrecked, the messier things become. But God has this overwhelming, never-ending love for you and for me. And He works through and in and around the mess to bring us to Himself and transform our lives. Hosea's story is, is gripping and powerful because honestly, it's our story. It's the story of God's love for you and for me. 1 John 4, 9 and 10 captures the depth of God's love like this. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. And this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. When you realize all your Hosea has done for you, that you're complete in Christ, that you're loved, that you're forgiven, and nothing can change your position in Him. It changes everything. And you're never the same. So I don't know where you happen to be watching or listening from here today. Maybe you're watching or you're listening to the podcast and you're saying, you know what, I, I'm hearing about God's love for me and I realize I'm missing that. I'm missing that. I need that love that transforms. I need that love that changes. I'm, I'm ready for a change in my life. What do I do? Well, quite simply, you accept the invitation that God has already extended to you to be part of His kingdom. You say, when did He do that? When He sent Christ to die for us and to rise again three days later. That's why we celebrate Easter. That was God's open invitation to humanity, saying, hey, you want in? Come on. Here's the invite. And what you have to do is in, invite, take that invitation and, and accept it. And, and, and become part of God's kingdom and His life and His world. And we do that through, um, through prayer. In fact, that's the first step we're going to take here is we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to forgive us of our sin. We're, we're going to make Him Lord of our lives. And then the journey doesn't end. So the journey from that point really is just beginning. You've got to grow in Christ. You've got to connect to a church community, be a part of a body that can help you grow and get rooted into your faith. But we're going to start with this prayer. And so if that's you today, I want you to pray along with me in your own words. You don't have to repeat after me, but it's going to sound something like this, okay? God, I love you. Forgive me for the sin that I've done. I'm so sorry for my sin. I, I've done things I'm not proud of. I've done things that I know are wrong. I, I've, I've done things that are against you and your standards. And, and I'm here today, Lord, saying, I, I need your forgiveness. I need you to cleanse me and forgive me for my wrong. You're my Hosea. You're my salvation. Thank you for buying me back. Thank you for sending your son to die for me. Cleanse me of this sin. Make me white as snow. Give me a brand new life and start today. And become Lord of my life. I don't want to call the shots anymore. I don't want to do my own thing anymore. From this day forward, I'm going to serve and follow you. I'm going to submit myself to you. Whatever, wherever you lead me, I'm going to go. Whatever you ask me to do, I'm going to do. I'm going to go all in for you today. You're my Lord and my Savior, Jesus. Father, I thank you for those who've prayed that prayer. And I pray, Lord, that you would 
Surround them with your love and your grace. Help them to connect to a body of believers, Lord. You will help them grow and deeper in their faith and to put down roots. Lord, for those of us who might be struggling today, thinking we're not loved or we're not adequate or whatever it might be, Lord, I, I pray that you would remind us how deeply you care for us, how deeply you love us, God, how you are enough, how you'll never stop pursuing us, how your love does transform us and remind us of the great price that you paid to buy us back here today, Lord. We are valuable in your sight and we thank you for that great love that you showed by sending Jesus to, to set us free and bring us in your kingdom. We love you. We praise you. and We ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.